free quote. Call Select Quote at 1-800-330-1991. That's 1-800-330-1991. Or go to SelectQuote.com. That's 1-800-330-1991. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Attention listeners, we've been promising change and finally change is happening. Beginning today at 2 o'clock, 970 AM WATH's FM translator at 97.1 FM will be switching to 97.3 FM. Once again, 97.1 FM will be switching to 97.3 FM, so listeners can now find all 970 AM WATH programming simulcast on 97.3 FM. That means a stronger signal and wider coverage area for all of Athens County's finest local programming like Party Line with Dave Palmer, The Sports Fan, Local News with River Chalker, and Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth, plus local high school sports, Ohio State Buckeyes football and basketball, Reds baseball, Bengals football, and Blue Jackets hockey. The change begins today at 2 p.m. on 970 a.m. WATH and the switch from 97.1 FM to 97.3. Ohio is conducting a study to find a new and more sustainable way to fund the maintenance of our roads and bridges. To learn more and to provide input, visit OhioRoadFunding.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Department of Transportation and aired in cooperation with the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Since 1963, Donato's was built on three fundamentals, creating a superior product, hiring great people, and adhering to strong principles that promote goodwill in the community. Stop by East State Street and try out their appetizing pizzas, subs, salads, desserts, and beverages with party sizes available. Donato's only uses the freshest of ingredients with no artificial colors in their food. Eat fresh. Every piece is important. Only at Donato's on East State Street in Athens. The Blue Jackets will be even more exciting this year with the addition of top free agent scorer Johnny Goudreau, who can't wait to join his teammates. I've heard so many good things about how close the group is, and that's important to me. You know, you, you want to play with guys who support each other and get along in the locker room and love playing together, and that was uh, really important to me as well. Come see Johnny and the Blue Jackets this year as they fire the cannon at Nationwide Arena. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get yours by going to bluejackets.com. For the first time since 1970, the Federal Hawking Lancers are playing for a district title, and you can catch the action on 970 AM, 97.3 FM, WATH. On Thursday, Tara Cottrell and the Lancers face off against the 18-5 Portsmouth Notre Dame Titans. Coverage from the convo will start around 5.50 Thursday night. On Classic Hits, 970 AM, 97.3 FM, WATH. Forty-six degrees outside. Good morning, Athens, in southeast Ohio. We're going to get up to 59, the high today, they say, but it's going to be mostly sunny. But tomorrow, maybe some rain. Hey, we got a, a guest today, Bob Reimer, the chief of our Athens Fire Department. We'll get to it in just a moment. All right. 909, almost 910. Good morning, folks. Welcome. And uh, Bob Reimer, good morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing, Welcome. sir? Welcome. We're doing fine here. And uh, uh, it's uh, I have a little hum in my headset, but I don't think it's on the air. Anyway, um, you know, you've been—you were here last year, oh, about ten months ago, I think, um, on the show, and and at least if my calendar's right, and um, you know, something we just need to make sure people understand what's going on, and so. Um, um, as I go up Columbus Road, there's, you know, this sign outside uh, the station there 
that flashes different messages periodically and so on. And uh, uh, one of the things it says is, um, well, I don't remember exactly what it says, but it, it, basically you're looking for uh, some more personnel, right? We are. We have just begun our hiring process. We hired, uh, we had four firefighters start last year. Uh, we're going through the process to where there was a bunch of us hired about the same time in the 90s. Uh, hitting that 25, 30 year mark, they're retiring now. Mm -hmm. I was hired one of, of five of us uh, in 93. Uh, we'll have another one of those that'll retire in September. I'll be the last one left of that batch. Uh, so we're just going through that turnover phase right now. It's not uh, creating any new positions, it's just replacing retirement. So I have sure. four right now are, that just started last year. I've got one going through the process and it looks to have at least one or two more by the end of the year. Uh, that we'll have another uh, have starting this year, hopefully. Well, um, first of all, or not first of all, but how many personnel are there in the fire department? <clears throat> we just did a restructure last year to try and make our organization kind of lay out the same as what the police department is. So it would be myself. We have an administrative captain who's a 40-hour captain, takes care of a lot of the uh, administrative duties, um, then we have the line personnel, so there's seven per shift, so a total roster of 23, and we just got our first full-time secretary position in the, the history of the department, so that was nice. Um, uh, Jen Crow just took over that position. She just started. Uh, Cindy Walters was our secretary before that, and she's leaving to bigger and better things. How about that? How about that? So um, to be a fireman, the training and, and that sort of thing, is that something that um, uh, people applying to be a firefighter must do on their own, or is that something the service, the fire department can provide them? It depends on where you are. Uh, in Athens, we are governed by the statutory ruling, uh, statutory law, higher vice code, and it states that you just have to be between the ages of 18 and 41, no older than 40, of course. Um, high school diploma or, or GED, and I believe a valid driver's license. And other than that, we have to send you to all the training. So I can just take somebody off the street, they test through our process, go through our, our rigid hiring process, and then they will, uh, we'll send them to all the training. So we sent three of them last year to the fire academy. That's 10 weeks worth of basic training. Uh, then now they're in the process of going through the fire inspector course. And then they have six technical rescues that they have to, to get within the first couple years. So we're continually doing that. Uh, other departments, townships, statutory cities, or not statutory, uh, charter cities like uh, Nelsonville, they can determine their civil service and they can determine what the hiring process is. Most of those, especially up in central Ohio uh, with townships, you have to have your fire to your paramedic or EMT, certain mm -hmm. standards say, okay, before you can even come take the test, you have to go get all this training because we're not paying for it. But Athens does. Uh, Athens does pay for the training. Yeah. When I started here, I had just my basic volunteer fire thing and my EMT. Back in 93, they sent me to the academy. Um, they sent me for the fire inspector school. Every bit of training that I had to take, they paid for and they, they sent us to. This academy, is is that an actual site somewhere? Yeah, it's in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. It's Reynoldsburg. Ohio Fire Academy. Okay. They're actually going through uh, a big upgrade and expansion. Uh, the governor funded some money for that. Uh, so it's changing quite a bit, but they do an excellent job, and they do provide outreach classes to where they will send instructors out. But it's a pretty rigid program. Is there anything that, um, uh, say, once you've gotten that um, – that education behind you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, are there updates to it to periodically? Yes, yes. And that's another law rule they have that uh, currently in three years for a firefighter to keep his certification, they have to have 54 hours of continuing education just for the basic fire. So that's what, 18 hours per year that they had to have of continuing education uh, for the basic fire, if you're a fire instructor, there's so many hours. Fire inspectors have to have, I think it's 30 hours mm -hmm. over a three-year period. So we have to have that continuing education uh, in order to stay current with our job. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned that, uh, of course, you're the chief. There's a, a 
administrative captain. Okay. And then um, what are the other um, levels of uh, within the 22 personnel? So each shift has two lieutenants, a lieutenant at headquarters, the senior lieutenant who's basically in charge of the shift, that, that duty officer. Uh, bigger cities, it would be a, uh, a captain, a battalion chief, depending on how big the department is. Uh, then we have a the junior or less senior lieutenant is out at Station 2, and he's in charge of that station. Now, Station uh, 2 is on Richland Avenue, correct. right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Now, um, so the the shift descriptions, they so at any given moment, how many people are on duty? We have a minimum staffing of four. Okay. And that's about where we are every single day right now because we're going through this hiring phase. Until mm -hmm. the probationary uh, members pass their, their, their assessment, they have to pretty much memorize the city, go through all the training, pass their assessment, and we're comfortable with them knowing how to do the job. Um, they don't count as far as the minimum staffing. So our minimum staffing is four with the people we have out on, on uh, leave right now, medical leave, the open positions, the ones going through training, we're down to about four minimum staffing per shift. Once we get our roster back up, everybody counts, everybody's gone through the training, uh, all the positions are replaced, nobody takes off for the day, we'll have six people on duty, three at each station. All right. Now, um, a shift. Mm -hmm. Is um, is it eight hours, twelve hours, twenty-four hours? What? Twenty-four hours. Okay. So they work a twenty-four forty-eight schedule. They came in this morning, seven o'clock in the morning, and tomorrow morning they'll go home at seven o'clock. They'll be off for forty-eight hours if they don't get mandated for overtime or or trade time or something of that nature. And then they come back and work another twenty-four hours. So what that does is that's a what they call a twenty-four ninety-six schedule. They work two thousand four hundred ninety-six hours a year where the common person like myself and other people uh, working the car lot across the street is typical at 40 hour work week. Mm -hmm. That's 2,080 hours. So they work well over 400 hours more than what you and I work. Plus they work holidays. So where some people get off on holidays, 10, 11 holidays a year, they have to work those holidays too. Now with the 24 hour shift, I assume it's, um permissible to um to sleep somewhere along the way when they can but i tell you right now they did not sleep last night because i was on washington street for a uh suspected fires cooking fire okay. was it turned out to be one o'clock in the morning and then they went out two or three more times later that night really so oh, it, there's there's hardly any sleep. <laughs> so on a typical day mm -hmm. and maybe yesterday was typical or not uh, how many runs would you say you folks have to um, respond to? We average about three runs a day. Last year we had a record year. And uh, by a day, of course, 24 hours. 24 hours, hours. Yeah. yes, yes. And there's some days where you may not have one run. Yeah. Uh, summertime when the students are gone, things kind of slow down a little bit. But when they come back, then they'll have – there'll be days where they have 10 or 15 runs, and there'll be days where they have zero runs. But – over a yearly average, is about three calls a day. Uh, they have, last year was a record year at 1,155 calls. Uh, and, of course, we don't do 1,155. Correct. Okay. The last year that, was, that we'd done that was uh, 1985. It was the last year that we ran ambulance in the city. So, um, okay. So last year was especially, uh, particularly busy for the fireside, right? Yes. Because the last time you had that many, you were also providing the ambulance services. Correct. Amazing. Amazing. Now, do you think people are, um, yeah, this is kind of a loud, I don't know how to phrase this. Um, how many of your calls actually require some action it depends on your de you talk about like a working fire dragging hose through a building type deal i don't or, know or uh, excuse me every call requires some type of action one thing we're trying to get away from or at least i'm trying to get away from everybody says well you have just nothing but burnt popcorn 50 percent of your calls are false alarms the problem with everybody saying it's a false alarm 
is you get that in your mindset. And when it's not a false alarm, we have people that are staying in the building because they hear the alarm going off, Mm -hmm. but it's because the neighbor's room is actually on fire, but they just hear the alarm and say, I'm not paying attention to it. They burnt their food again. I'm not doing anything. So when we keep sending out that notion or that, that idea that it's another false alarm, we get numb to it or get complacent to it. And when it actually turns out to be something, uh, that it's too late because they're not paying attention to it. Right. So we have quite a bit of alarms, and I would say the greatest majority of them are for some type of cause. Cooking fires, you know, where they're burning food or, or leave something on the stove, and it goes off, the smoke detector goes off, and you say, oops, I forgot my food. You go turn it off quickly before it turns into something big and spreads to the, to the walls or whatever else or whatever's in the microwave, and that alarm work properly it lets you know pay attention you got something going on here before that before we had all these alarm systems we had a lot more fires so the alarms are working properly it's just that we're not paying attention more i I don't know what the the deal is it's just we're having a lot more because there's a lot more alarms out there but it's not just alarms that we respond to of course but alarms you know i have um detectors at my home right and um um it can be uh, as you say cooking uh something might set them off and then the only way though is for me to call the fire department and say i need help now um or not the fire department but 911 right mm-hmm. um <clears throat> now um, are many of these alarms, uh, like in certain maybe commercial buildings and so on, do they automatically notify? Yes. Oh. Yes. A majority of the commercial buildings, they automatically, and there's, it goes right back to, again, the fire code. If you have a sprinkler system, it's required to have a 24-7 monitoring system or some way to activate or call 911, whether it's a person sitting right there at that alarm panel and they call or it goes to a third party and they end up calling 911. So uh, there's most commercial buildings that have alarm systems, they will go in. There are some that are grandfathered that do not, um, that don't, so they don't have a sprinkler system, but they have an alarm system. So you have alarms go off all the time, but it doesn't call us all the time. So if you're sm- you burnt food in your house, your smoke detector goes off, you knew what it was, you took care of the issue. Did you call the fire department? No. No. And that, that happens a lot. There's a lot of cooking fires and things out there and f- unknown fires that happen that you take care of. You put it out. Yeah, I don't need the fire department for this. Right. But uh, but this automatic notification, when the alarm system is tied into the system, um, does it call them, um, I, I suppose, how, how does that message get to 911? Is it? I mean, um, do they receive some sort of uh, signal on a computer? No, or they get an actual physical call over the phone from a on machine. their alarm line that will come from an operator or a machine automated device, and it okay. says, you have a fire alarm, Zone 2, okay. 277 West Washington Street, and this is all the information that they'll have. Yeah. Uh, or there may be more information they're able to get, so they just send us out and we check it out to find out what the issue is. Um, an alarm doesn't indicate um, the magnitude. It does it, not. Uh, these. Um, so how do you know whether to send one vehicle or two vehicles or That's easy. call we everybody? We have four people. We send everything. Okay. We send two trucks. It depends on the department and the size of what they send. If you go to Columbus, if it comes in as a working fire, they may send five engines a chief officer an ambulance a rescue here we only have four people two stations it's for our safety it's a minimum of two in and two out i mean it's still not enough because if we do run into something other than burnt food or something we're going to need a lot more people so we send both stations four people now um of course the entire staff um has um I'm going to call it pagers or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, an all call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the first four on the scene 
they determine um, if that's necessary, right? They will determine that usually at dispatch. Last night, we had an all call, 1 o'clock in the morning. It was uh, it came in as smoke inside of a structure, and it was a 10-unit apartment building. Okay. It happened to be one of the units downstairs ended up burning food, and it filled up the smoke. So the people upstairs woke up. Their alarms are going off. They see smoke inside the building. They have no idea what's going on. They just know it's not theirs. They called 911. I got smoke in my building. My alarms are going off. They did the proper thing. We said, smoke in the building, put out the all call, get everybody here, especially since it's an apartment complex. Right. We get there and finally find out, after we search the whole building, that, oh, the guy downstairs burned his food and didn't tell anybody, didn't call 911 and let him know. It was an accident. It's no big deal. Took care of getting the smoke out, cleared it. Well, um, now you said uh, you what was it 1135 1155 last year 1155 um you responded to that many um fire rescue yeah. uh, alarms um good intent calls service calls gas leaks things of those nature uh my detector's going off, but it turns out to be nothing type deal. I had to be considered an alarm. Uh, let's see, elevator rescues, we have a lot of those. Seems like once a week at least. Hmm. Uh, auto accidents. So I think it was 2% of our calls were fires. We had 37 building fire reports last year. Uh, and then a lot of accidents. But last night would have counted as one, right? That would count as an actually a cooking fire. Oh, it did not oh. get into the structure, actually start burning. Oh, so you mean real real fires in buildings? Yes. Okay, yeah. I get it. And Whether many, it's something what, 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 35, did you say? 37. 37. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, that, that's, that's, let's move on a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, we have the two stations. Yes. And, of course, there's been, um, over the last few years, a lot of conversation about uh, replacing the Columbus Road Station, which is Station 1. Um, finally, that's been kind of resolved. And um, so down on uh, Stimson, right? Correct. Um, you can see some uh, work underway. And um, what, what's... Um, I haven't been down that way because of all the construction. You don't always yeah. use that route like you used to um, until they get it finished up. Anyway, by they, I mean the highway. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, last I saw, a lot of excavation was done. Um, where did, Is anything underway that I've missed recently? Uh, they're in the process of building up the, uh, to get out of the 100-year floodplain that yes. they build up. Uh, six feet right up to six feet so they're in the process of building that up pretty much level uh, with Stimson Avenue and that general area where they're going to put the actual building uh, they still have the other six acres are going to be fields and parks and and stuff for the the public we're going to yeah, try and yeah. build it up put more walkways in trees outdoor restroom facilities benches uh, so that's what the process is there. It's out to bid right now. March 16th, we're supposed to open up the bid packages. Hopefully we get enough of them and then uh, see if we can award the contract to a uh, construction company. And if all goes well, I would assume uh, once good construction season, late April, beginning of May. I suppose. Yeah. I, the... Um the, the um, so there's an architectural design already. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's what they're bidding on. Um, is there any guess on how long it would take to build the facility? I believe they're projecting 12 to 14 months. Okay. But again, for what I hear out there, you know, what's what's the availability of supplies? Right. How long is it going to take to get HVAC units and transfer switches? Now this new site. Um, so talk about Columbus Road. Um, years ago, I was on some committee that advised the fire department in some way. I, I don't remember exactly what it was called, or but it was so long ago, I've forgotten. Um, but, you know, I always thought Columbus Road was kind of cool, the, the station. And um, 
but um, it's got some problems, right? Oh, it does, yes. And uh, describe those to our audience, would you? Well, since uh, 2005, we've put in, it was well over $500,000 to keep it standing, roof replacement, window replacement. We still have downstairs is all single-pane windows. Some of them don't open because the building has settled and racked. Um, they put in, the biggest thing we've done is we've put in support walls. Uh, it was built on stilts. And to my understanding, back in the 60s, it was a worldwide marvel. They had people coming from Japan to look at it, the way right. it was constructed. So it was great at the time. Uh, Built out of concrete, you know how well concrete flexes or doesn't flex when you get bigger trucks. We've grown out of the, the building. It's it's way too small for what we need now. But they've put in more supporting infrastructure to keep it standing, include steel I-beams. Uh, and the last time we done, I think last year we put another 75000 into it, and the engineer at that time said, two or three years, this is no longer conducive for a fire station, you need to find someplace else, and after that, they're going to. After we move out of it, it'll be a decision of: can we use it for something else? Yeah. Is it going to be something for the city? Or are we going to sell it to the public? It's not good for twenty, thirty-ton fire trucks to be sitting in and, and moving in and out of. But it may be better suited for something else. Um, you just mentioned twenty or thirty-ton fire trucks. So, of course, um, the the trucks that uh, we're talking about now like the city owns a ladder truck right is that yes, that's yes. um is that more or less weight well it's more weight it's approximately i think it's somewhere around seventy thousand pounds okay it's a hundred foot aerial all right so of course uh, these trucks have a certain supply of water on them right but yes all the engines do we have four engines uh the ladder truck ladder truck has half the water basically is what a fire engine has okay now for okay an engine um, so that's the most standard truck we would see yes okay now um describe how it's equipped like with everything we could fit on it because again comparing us to other departments if you go to columbus an engine has these are your limited number of tools you're doing engine work or if you're going to do cutting holes in a roof or something in nature well that, that that equipment goes on a ladder truck well if you're going to do a rescue well that that equipment goes on a rescue truck and we'll send it with an engine we have two guys or girls yeah. you know we have two members they take out the truck and we have rescue tools on there we have stuff for ventilation we have stuff for fighting the fire so we try and cram as much their pumper rescues or engine rescues so we throw as much equipment as we can on there due to the limited staffing and what we may need for where we're going. Um, how often, um, I'm not sure this is a good question, but I'll try it. How often does it arrive at a scene and not have what it needs? It depends on the call. If we go out, say we're out doing inspections. You've probably seen us up and down Columbus Road quite a bit. They were here yesterday doing inspections on Columbus Road and pre-planning a building. So they could be out doing that and get called for a confined space on the other side of town. Well, they either have to go back to the station and go get the rescue and elongate the response time, or they're driving straight there to find out exactly what they have. And we don't have most of the equipment. We don't have the proper equipment for confined space on that truck. So our technical rescue is usually all on the um, on the rescue truck. Same thing for water rescue. Got the flooding. The boats and stuff are back at the station. If they're out at the store or out doing something else, we have throw bags and PFDs and stuff that we can try and get them, but we don't have boats to put in the water on that truck. PFD? Uh, personal Pers flotation device. Okay. Life okay. vest. Yeah. Well, um, so it may be even um, two years before that new site is completed, right? Uh, I, I keep telling everybody, June of 24. June of 24. June of 24. I've got my hopes up. We'll see. June of 24. Well, um, cool. And then the Columbus Road site, they'll figure out what to do with it. Whether, uh, as you said, it's um, occupied by another city department in some fashion that doesn't have that weight-bearing issue. 
or um, just sold or something. All right, now um, let's talk about funding. Um, the city of Athens, we have an income tax. Um, how, how I assume that the funds to operate the fire department come through that process. Am I for the income tax? Uh, we are funded by the fire department, police department. Uh, I believe most of EPW is funded through the the general fund. Okay. So we share that. Uh, most of the generation for that, and this is a auditor question and a mayor question. Most of that, to my understanding, is generated through the income tax. Yes. We don't get a whole lot from property taxes because mm -hmm. due to government buildings, churches, charitable uh, organizations, university, which are government buildings, 50.6% of all commercial property in the city is tax exempt. So overall, all property, I think the last time I checked, it was a little over 33% of the property is tax exempt. We don't get a whole lot or rely a lot on property tax. So most of our revenue, to my understanding, generated through the general fund is income tax. And that's currently at 1.95%. That was just increased with the levy that was passed back in uh, May for the construction of the station and public safety capital purchases, not for staffing, capital purchases. And I think, to my understanding, that's for 20 years at 0.1%. Now, if, um, <clears throat> uh, if you're a fireman for the city of Athens, mm -hmm. uh, or fire person, I guess I need to say. Firefighter. Okay, firefighter. Um, and... Um, you respond to an all, all call, mm -hmm. but you're off duty technically. Um, well, I guess they're always on duty, but I, and what I'm trying to say or ask about is, do they get paid for responding to that, or is that all part of their basic package? No, they get paid. Okay, they get paid overtime for it if they have to come in anything over and above their excuse me their normal working schedule. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you had um, um, 1,155 calls, mm -hmm. how many of those responded into an all call? I'm just curious. Well, if we had 37, but every time we have a, a, oh, a building fire. percent So, no, 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 oh. no. We had, I think, 37, de there were 30, de 37 building fires last year, so there's 37 right there. If we have to go outside the city, I think last year, I know time runs together, we had to send our rescue truck to Pomeroy. Really? Because they had a few people stuck on a cliff down there at 1 o'clock in the morning, so we went down with our technical rescue equipment, our ropes and stuff, and the guys on duty, actually on duty today, we went down there and, and pulled them off the cliff at 1 o'clock in the morning, come back to the station. So when we do that, we do a backfill. We'll put out the all call and have people come back in and staff the station to make sure the city is still covered and we send what we can as far as resources. In a perfect world, we would send five people on that truck, maybe more to go out and take care of that. But our first priority is to make sure we're, we're protecting the city. So we bring people in, make sure the city's covered, and we still provide our service, and then we will send that truck. Uh, so things of that nature, I'd have to go back and look. Usually we average between 30 and 40 of those all calls a year, which isn't a large percentage out of over a thousand calls. Now, um, you know, the university, of course, is the biggest player here. Um, is there any direct funding outside of um, income tax and so on that the university does to support? Since 2012, uh, we have had an MOU between the city and the university, and they provide up to 50000 a year. Uh, hang on. MOU. Oh, Memo of Understanding. Correct. Okay. I'm and that sorry. was towards us when we, it started when we replaced our ladder truck in 2012. Okay. So they agreed to give us $50,000 a year over a five year time span to purchase the truck. So the truck then was one point, I think it was $1.2 million. 
they gave us over five years, 250000 towards that. And they've continued that agreement. Uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I know President uh, Dr. Sherman had agreed to continue it until his tenure was done and said he would, honorably enough, leave it to the next president to decide do we want to continue this MOU, increase it, decrease it. Uh, I know that that's one thing that they have done. Um, we have a, a good working relationship between their services, to my understanding, water departments, things of that nature. But mm-hmm. uh, other than the income tax, like I said, the, their, their buildings are tax-exempt. Somewhere I saw a reference to um, um, that there was some consideration being given to some sort of student fee. What... Um, what, 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 now, what's that all about? That's just something that I, I'm doing research that I've done or whatever, looking at a possibility of a, a student fee, and I've noticed uh, things of that nature. They have, especially in the New England area, uh, payments in lieu of taxes, services in lieu of taxes. Hey, this bill, this organization or this business does not pay taxes because they are legally exempt, but hey, to help you out, we're going to provide this. So I have gone to student senate, uh, administration, state legislators over the last, let's see, it's be, oh my goodness, next week it'll be nine years as chief. So at least the last eight years I've been going looking to see the feasibility, a possibility for a student fee uh, to help pay for those services to increase staffing. because. OU has its own police department. Athens has its own police department. We're the only fire department to protect 100% of the city. Um, it's We're working on it. It's still, I'll keep going back every year and try and convince uh, the students uh, this is how it will help and what you can, can get from it. I don't expect something for nothing. Uh, it would increase our staffing quite a bit and help us provide a better service, but so far... We'll just keep keep asking. Now, um, you know, I don't know what percentage. Um, I'm really curious now, but uh, you're probably not someone that can answer this. But like of the the students that go to Ohio University, you know, what percentage live in dormitories versus private housing? Um, the student fee would be regardless. That was my proposal is for all students uh, coming to campus, not online students. All students coming to campus would be $50 per semester, basically $100 a year for their tenure, four years, um, as they're here, whether that's on campus or off campus. That was the starting point in my proposal. Uh, I believe, I'd have to go back and look, I think there's only around 6,000 students actually live on campus in dorms. Okay, yeah, about about a third, roughly. You know, what? Um, so you know, as as um, where does that stand? Uh, the student fee is it? Um, who who makes that decision? Is it's it? going to have to start at the student level. Uh, it, that's uh, and talking with state legislators, talking with. Uh, uh, to my understanding, talking with the administration, OU administration, is it, it, there's a, a a movement to try and, of course, get student tuition and and fees down across the nation, not not just at OU, across the nation. My daughter just graduated from OU. I can attest, looking at those school loans. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, so to have another fee, it's just more. It just piles on that that straw on the camel's back, per se. Uh, so that being said, it would have to student, start at the student level. I've been working with Student Senate mm-hmm. to draft some type of resolution or bill, and I uh, believe they're looking at maybe polling the students. Would you be interested? Would you support this? The biggest thing is getting out the message to letting them know this is why this is important. Most people, you don't know what you don't know. If you just see two trucks pull up and you have four people coming off the truck and you don't know whether well, there should be 10 to 12 people coming on three to four trucks, not four for a dormitory that's on fire they don't understand so if you don't know what you don't know it's a matter of us getting that message out there here's why it's important here's how it really should be and here's how you can help now um folks uh, once again if uh, you you weren't with us in the beginning our guest today is bob reimer who is chief of the athens fire department
Um, if you th- uh, see, you've been a firefighter how many years now? Uh, at Athens? Um, period. Period? Uh, 32 years last October. Okay. Now, um, in these, uh, the engine trucks, okay, mm-hmm. um, are they vastly different than they were, um, say, 15 years ago? 15 years ago? Yeah, there's always some different regulations, especially with EPA regulations, diesel engines, things of that nature. Rollover protection now. All new engines have rollover protection. It's seat belt sensors in closed cabs. I think it was 94s when they changed that. You can't have the open cabs anymore. Uh, a lot of the trucks you're seeing these days, I think most of the newest don't even have tailboards anymore because we're not riding on the tailboard anymore. So you try and streamline it expand that truck a little bit better you may have some steps to get up and grab the hose but uh, there's a lot of different size i could tell you looking at the truck that we had in the 60s compared to today it's twice the size as what they used to be now if you um do you okay so how many engines did you say we had we have four, four engines, two in front line or two in reserve in case the front line trucks are down or I send one outside of the city for a fire. Mm-hmm. People come back in to staff the station. They need a fire engine to respond in. Now, um, besides the four engines, there's the ladder truck. What else? We have the heavy rescue I told you about where we went to Pomeroy with it. That okay. carries our technical rescue equipment on it. We have our boat or water rescue unit, so we have two boats on a, on a trailer along with our, our pickup truck and all of our water rescue equipment. Uh, our brush truck, it's a uh, crew cab pickup truck with a little tank in the back of it, four-wheel drive, so we can take care of fires and stuff on areas like the ridges, you okay. know, out in the field area. Uh, and then, of course, the little... Uh, my vehicle, another pickup yeah. truck yeah. we should be getting. So, okay, is there equipment that is uh, now being made that you would like to um, add to the collection? I mean, has stuff changed that much? And expensive much? equipment, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're just going up in cost. Um, there are certain things, but a lot of that would have to do with staffing. We used to have what they called a tractor-drawn aerial, a tiller truck. You probably remember that back in the, the 60s. I think so. Yeah, that, that one got replaced, I think, in 1989 with our last ladder truck that we had. Uh, the problem with that is it takes three people for that truck. You have one in the back driving, one in the front driving, then you have to have an officer or a spotter on the other side. Again, we have two people. That leaves one in the back and one in the front. Um, that also helps us out. It seems to be, you know, it looks like a, a larger, longer truck. But because the rear steer, it helps us get through these tight areas and tight streets. So that would work better in, in our area. It's just we, we don't have the staffing for it and then the cost of that. So maybe by the time that this ladder truck needs to be replaced, we'll have, uh, have what we need for it. And that may be a, a new thing. Uh, just I don't know if this makes any sense or not. The, the most recent purchase of an engine occurred when? 2020. Okay. Yeah, and our next one's due to be replaced uh, in the next year or two. The problem is with, again, where I talked about the building supplies and being able to build the station, they're telling us now it's, it used to be it was 12 months to build a truck. Now you're talking 24 to three years, 24 months to 30, 36 months to build a truck. Faintly, you know, I grew up in uh, Worthington or Columbus. Um, there was a company, Sutphin or Sutphin. something like that. Yeah, that's our ladder truck is a Sutphin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are they still doing their thing well, they sure are okay yeah um i'm just thinking about that ladder truck going through a roundabout and stuff that that should be interesting it does pretty decent in our, our epw uh department and engineer stuff they plan for that they you have to plan for tractor trailers so you know our truck is oh, a little yes. bit smaller tractor trailer it's a straight stick but it's a little bit smaller but they plan for that you know the curbs and stuff they make kind of low in case we have to drive up and over it but they do a great job working with us to make sure we can get where we need to yeah the semis don't have a driver in back do they no No. (laughs) well um so what is um and and maybe you have it all but you know what is an item that you really would love to get a hold of soon staffing okay (laughs) equipment we're doing great with okay we're doing really well with equipment Uh, we're going to schedule to replace equipment to make sure it doesn't fall apart too soon 
I'm not really too concerned about it. The new station coming, that's going to help out a lot to, to at least have a, enough size to it or enough space to it that we can expand for the next 50 years if we have to replace it again in 50 years. Um, it's, it's a matter of getting training center is one of my neck, I guess, as far as a capital equipment purchase. We need to get a training center built. We have nothing in the county that uh, all, the, all the departments can use to, to continue our training. Live burns, things of that nature, repelling, technical rescue. You know, well, we're going to do some repelling. Well, let's go to the parking garage or try and go out on a hill somewhere. So that's kind of an inconvenience, not just for us, but for the public. So little thing, the training center would be a, a nice passion of mine to, to get. Uh, and I know the guys would like it, too. It, it would help out. Well, um, what about your relationship with other emergency service, you know, agencies or organizations? So this is the Athens Fire Department. Mm -hmm. But there's um, years ago you had squad service, but now we have... Um, Athens County EMS. Yeah. yeah. And it used to be SEAMS, and that's kind of why they got away from the ambulance service. SEAMS had started. That was covering southeast Ohio, yes. many counties. Uh, they were taking that on. We didn't charge for the ambulance, to my understanding. We didn't charge for that service in the past, so it kept eating away money to general fund. So they said, and we ended up laying off firefighters, so they got rid of that service, passed the levy to hire the firefighters back and provide just the fire rescue and let the EMS side uh, Athens County EMS now, they provide it. And they have five stations, and I believe they run seven ambulances a day, but they, they're hurting too. Uh, the levies haven't been increased in some time. Uh, they believe, I believe it was somewhere around 11,000 calls last year, <laughs> which is extraordinary for all the calls that they have to do. So, And they're having a hard time keeping people because of comparison as far as pay to other uh, ambulance services and that was I would encourage you maybe talk with Chief Caleb's uh, he has a lot of information on that but uh, they provide a great service when they need us they call us left assist we run together on auto accidents and rescues we have our basic first aid uh, that we can help provide uh, EMS service with them now um, this is not your area but you certainly will know a lot about it Nine one one. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it seems like it doesn't matter what kind of crisis you are experiencing. The first place you're supposed to call is nine one one. Correct. Um, that's in the. Um, they're talking about a new place, but right now that's in the bottom floor of the sheriff's department, yes, right? With the, EMA. Mm -hmm. Okay. EM Emergency Management Agency. Correct. Okay, what's that? Uh, they take care of a lot, East Palestine. Yeah. So our EMA and many EMAs, along with the, the LEPC, they plan for events like that. When they have a large event like that, they are the coordinator of all emergency services and outside agencies to, we just had a train derailment, what do we do? So Don Goss with EMA is, we're planning for that stuff all the time. So this year's LEPC exercise is going to be at Jacksonville for a train derailment. We've been working on that for the last few years. We did one, I think, 2020. Okay. We did one over here in Armitage Road, over next to where your tower is, right. uh, planning for train derailments. Uh, and then we do auto accidents as far as tankers. It's all hazardous materials type, type stuff. So the EMA helps coordinate, provides training for a lot of the emergency agencies, the coordination between all the agencies, uh, looking for upgrades. They, they do quite a bit. Obviously, I need to get someone from the, well, the 911 organization to come in and be a guest. Cause, sure. Um, but I'm just curious. Um, so you, you're good on these numbers. Um, but you said some agency had 11,000 calls, EMS maybe? EMS, I believe. I, I speak, I believe, well, I know it was pretty high the year of COVID, I couldn't well, tell you what their final number was last year. That's the Chief Caleb's question. Okay. But that's just EMS. Now, they also are responsible for notifying you folks for fire issues and many other agencies, mm -hmm. law enforcement and so on. Mercy. And 911 dispatchers, hats off to them. 
that you well, you don't understand the amount of training they have to go through because while they're waiting on that ambulance to get there, they're trying to talk that person on the other side of the line on how to do CPR if they've never done it before and instruct them through that. Right. How to take care of, hey, this is what we need you to do. Get out of the house, make sure your doors are closed or your house is on fire. Do this, this, and this. Get out of talking that mother into stay outside the fire department's on their way don't go back in for your kids your dog or something of that nature so that the stress that they go through i can't imagine well and 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 the activity level because um you call 911 for any problem mm-hmm. um, and some things that really aren't problems yeah i was just i just was questioning my own term there because you know gee i can't get to the grocery store that's you know absolutely uh, absolutely we get the same thing at the fire station hey can you tell me what time the library's closed really did you call the library yeah but nobody's answering they're probably closed yeah yeah well um so so what do you think um uh, this strategic plan we just conducted our first strategic plan working with external and internal stakeholders throughout the city Uh, people from different organizations university students uh, the firefighters 911 director ema director where do we want to see the athens fire department in the next three to five years what is our road map and what how do we improve our services to the community so that's the first one that i i could find we had a company come in and do it for us for free. It was just somebody we knew, and they were starting their own, so they're they're getting the final wraps on it, and hopefully that'll be released soon. And we are now finally getting. Remember the staffing study you talked about right. in '96? We're getting a new staffing study done by the high fire chief, so we're providing all that information to see where should we be. In 1997, they said you need to have 10 people on duty in three stations. Mm. We have less on duty now than we did back then so we'll see what's changed 